Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This is part 13 of our series, Take It Back, with a message entitled, What to Do When There's Nothing You Can Do, with Pastor Nelson Jones. Sometimes, though, in life, we get caught in almost a, what I would call a, uh, maybe just a present, momentary season, almost of atheism. Times where, when we really need him, it just like we just can't seem to feel him in that place. Have you ever felt that somehow God is just powerless? Have you ever had that feeling? You know, you're going through some pretty heavy water. Talked to a lady. We had a prayer seminar yesterday. We had, I had a good time. But I talked to a lady that was in attendance and she gave me a little report on some of her medical health because she's been fighting cancer and different things. And she just made the statement that, you know, she just got back some really good news. And uh, it was like, oh, yes. And it was like, it was like just a heaviness kind of list because we've had her you know, in our prayers. And it was like, wow, this is great news, God. But sometimes, you know, the news that we get isn't so great and it seems like God might not even be present in the circumstance that we're in and it might even feel like he's failed us. I mean, if we're really honest and we just get down to the emotional basis and sometimes there is this sort of emotional atheism that can kick in. It almost seems like God being there is kind of like other people's experience. Seems like maybe that's just true for them. So we start to live in sort of this state where we can look back and we can see God's presence in our history, his hand and his provision in the past. We can look, we can be grateful, we can celebrate that. And we look off into the future and we can see a future filled with God. But in the present, what we're going through right now, it almost just seems, where are you? Where are you? As I said, it's like a temporary state of atheism where God doesn't really exist in my little world right at this moment. It's just I can't see it. I can't feel it. We get into situations. We get under pressure where there are circumstances and we're saying, Lord, do you care? Are you even there? Do you see what's going on? Why are you letting this happen? To me, there's those kinds of situations that I'm talking about, even within the title of this message, that what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Where all of your tools, all of your abilities, all of your strengths have come to naught, and there's nothing in the cupboard to pull out and apply to the problem or apply to the situation. You've used it all up. It hasn't worked. And there's nothing that you've got to pull out and let's put it to work here. We're going to be taking a look at Paul and Silas as our foundation today. We're going to talk about something that's really incredibly powerful in our life that we must bring in in moments like that. In those moments where we have the situational atheism that can so kind of grab us. There's something that you need to do. In the book of Acts, we have an account of Paul and Silas, the Apostle Paul. In this particular missionary trip, it was Paul's second. He had Silas with them. They had uh, been traveling the world, and in Acts 16, God has given Paul a vision about where he's to go next. He told him to go somewhere. He told him to go to a place called Macedonia. So Paul gets up the next morning, gathers a bunch of his friends, Timothy's in on this too, and they head off for Macedonia. They're doing exactly what God told them to do. They're obeying the Lord. They're in total obedience. They're following Jesus. They go to Macedonia, and they come to a town called Philippi. It was was a, a little Roman enclave. And when they get in Philippi, they start in their ministry. A woman then named Lydia, she's a business lady. She she gets saved. She accepts Christ as her savior. She receives the news of the gospel and makes it her own. She's the first convert. 
She's a woman of business. Uh, in that day, she was a, what they call a, a lady that dealt in purple. What she would do is have very high class, uh, we would say, clients who could afford the color purple and it was really the royal color, still is actually, the royal color. And it would only be used uh, by these people of great wealth or position or both. Then they run into a young slave girl. The slave girl is demon possessed. She's able to tell the future. She's got some insights on that. And so her owners, the owners of the slave girl are making money hand over fist because of this ability that this girl has. She starts following Paul around. Really just making a nuisance of herself till finally he gets so exasperated he just turns and looks at her and casts the demon out of her. Well, by bringing liberation to her, he was going to bring imprisonment to him. Because when he casts the demon out of the girl, all hell break loose in Philippi. Have you kind of seen that where when somebody is getting their life straightened out, or maybe even it's you, and you get your life straightened out, and, and somebody else gets bent out of shape? Because you're going a direction that's actually a big challenge to them. This is what happens. Because now the guys who own this girl, they're no longer able to make money off of her, so they drum up false charges against Paul and Silas. They grab Paul and Silas. Now there was a bunch, bigger team than that, but they grab Paul and Silas. They have them arrested. They bring them before the authorities. They are beaten and they're thrown into prison. All in the obedience to God. They're walking in the direction of the Holy Spirit. There they are. Paul and Silas sitting in this prison. They're following the Lord. They're doing everything God told them to. And now they're in this situation, beaten, falsely accused, in prison, in the middle of the night. Everything is completely out of their control. There's nothing that they can do about their circumstance. Nothing that they can do. All of Paul's oratory skills, all of his wisdom, all of the abilities that he would have in debate or argument or clarity of thought would not release them from the stocks that they were in. Now we can pick up the story in verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Not something else. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I don't know how good a singer Paul was. Maybe he wasn't even any good. My guess is he probably wasn't that good. Because it's never noted anything about Paul's singing ability. But here they are listening. So they weren't listening. Hey, when you're in situations like that, cheap entertainment is good entertainment. <laughs> so here's Paul and Silas singing praise. Midnight is about to turn. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that same hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Now this isn't just a story of just a jailer getting saved. 
There is no church in Philippi up until Lydia's conversion, a slave girl delivered from a, uh, a demon. Now we've got a jailer and his family converted. What God is doing is he's establishing the church. He's got a call on these people's lives to establish a church in Philippi. And God will put us through all kinds of things sometimes and allow all kinds of things for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah that tells us that, you know, my ways are kind of a lot higher than your ways and my thoughts, like, whoo, like they're way over yours, okay? God's always working higher thoughts in greater ways. No matter what you go through, no matter what position you're in, God is still working above and beyond anything you can see. And he's got purposes that exceed the trials or the tribulation that you're in. We don't understand it often. Sometimes we think that if I just understand the pain of what I'm experiencing, it'll get rid of the pain. It doesn't get rid of the pain. So here they are. Situation that is hopeless, helpless. But it was all part of this master plan. Now there's a lot of different people in the story. All of them are in prison. That's the first thing. Everybody in the story we just read is in prison. For different reasons. Paul is in this prison because of his obedience. We usually think of people getting into prison because they've done something wrong. Paul is in prison because he was doing something right. Have you ever got in trouble for doing something right? Usually with the wrong people? Of course you have. There's a cost for doing the right thing. There's a cost for walking out your faith. There's a cost for doing what is correct and moral and so on in any given situation. There is a price. And he here is in prison because of doing the right thing. Paul is behaving himself. He's following the Lord. He's being obedient to everything God told him to. Sometimes we think, if I'm just obedient to everything God tells me to, that I will never experience any of these other painful or out of control situations where I am, can't do anything. No, that's just not true because God's ways are so much higher than your ways and God's thoughts so much higher than your thoughts. Which is the foundation that God's purpose is so much greater than what you could see. He's not just in a cell, by the way. He's in what the Bible calls the inner cell. It's, it's translated in many versions as the dungeon, the lowest, darkest, furthest down place. He, there's not even a window in a cell. There's no window of hope. There's no, it's nothing to look out and see the stars in the night sky. And There's nothing there. It's, it, there's, there's, it's dark. The jailer has to bring a light to see if anybody's at home in the prison cells. He's in the middle of this place. He's shackled, chained up. He's already been beaten. Have you ever found yourself trapped in a situation that you really didn't bring upon yourself deliberately? But things are happening around you. Things you can't control. Of course you have. Of course we all have. Maybe you get yourself trapped in what seems like a prison, some dark place in your life, and there's nothing that you can do about it. There's no way out of these things. You've got nothing left in your goodie bag. You've been following the Lord. You follow Jesus Christ. You love God. You're doing what you know to be right. You're doing everything you can to do life the right way. There you find yourself in some kind of situation with no way out, and you're going, now what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to get out of this situation? What am I supposed to do about this condition? And like Paul, you're suffering because you're doing the right thing. But what you're faith, faced with is a crisis of your faith. You've got decisions you have to make in a situation like that. 
You know, you as a parent can do a lot of things right and still end up in some pretty dark places. You as a husband and a wife, you can do the things right and still end up in a prison cell and like you're in a dungeon and no window. In business, you can do things right and you can feel like you're in, the, in that dungeon partner. I don't see any bright light at the end of this one, but I know I'm doing things right. God, where are you? There's decision moments that come when you're in a dungeon with no window and no light and you have no tools to, by which to escape the situation. Silas, on the other hand, if Paul is there because of his obedience, Silas is in prison because of his loyalty. I think Silas is sort of the unsung hero here. Silas was there not because he had done anything, but because he had come to the defense of his friend. Because the Bible tells us earlier on in, in this passage that there were a whole bunch of people traveling with Paul at the time, Timothy among them. But only Silas gets grabbed and thrown in jail. Now it's either at times like that that the Silases are saying, ooh, I, I'm not with him. Who is that guy? Or I'm with him. Silas sort of reminds me of that movie, The Lord of the Rings. You know those two main characters, Frodo and Sam. And you got Sam. Sam is really a kind of cool character. I mean, whenever Frodo needs him, whenever Frodo needs protection or Frodo needs support, Sam is there. He's fiercely loyal. He sticks with Frodo through thick and thin and anything that comes along, Sam is there. That's what Silas is like here. He obviously came to the defense of Paul. It was very interesting how Paul and Silas responded to all of this. The Bible says that at midnight in the darkest hour they were praying and singing to God. They were singing hymns. They made a choice. They chose one tool that no circumstance can ever take away from you unless you give it up. It's one tool that you've got that is going to right side everything you go through. It's a positional tool. It's a practice tool. It's a tool that can actually take any powerless situation and it brings it into the purpose of God and you will find courage and hope fill your heart fresh when you choose this tool. It will dethrone the authority of the circumstance you're in in ruling you. The tool that they chose was, they chose worship. Worship can never be stolen from you because it's a matter of the heart. You must give it up. No matter what dark circumstances you are in, you might be there for all the right reasons. You might be there as a loyal friend and somebody was standing with somebody. You might be in some very dark situations. But as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to make a choice at that dungeon moment of either worship or not. Now you and I know the obvious choices that go along with that and the obvious choices is to fall into a funk and let the circumstances take control and not to be acknowledging the God who is over all because we understand that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's at moments like that when that choice is made that you are choosing either a bigger perspective, you are choosing to see things that can't be seen until you make that choice, or you're only choosing to see the obvious, the stalks, the darkness, the clamminess, the rats, the injustice of it, the pain of it, 
the wrongness. God, where are you? They knew that God's hand was in everything going on in their lives. What kept them with that knowledge was worship. I'm not talking about just singing a song. I'm talking about a positional and a practical tool. Positional means this circumstance is right in my face. This circumstance is just Goliath right here. What is going to right size that? Worship. Because worship affirms God. It affirms he's in control. It affirms his purpose. It gets you out of the wrong questions and into the right expressions. And the right expressions are expressions of acknowledging how great your Lord is. Is and how there's nothing that comes to you that hasn't come through him. That he has purpose and meaning in all of the challenges that you face. Worship. It's a practical tool too because once we choose to bring worship into dark dungeons, then all of a sudden we find our thinking is able to escape already. Our attitudes can escape the darkness, the confines of the prison. The worst place to be is in a prison, but to have your attitude and your actions and your thoughts controlled totally by that prison. Rather, choose a prison, but be free. Freedom. Paul, though he was not free to escape in the ways that normally we would think, he was free to worship. Again, there's just nothing else they could do. They couldn't talk their way out of it. They couldn't reason their way out of it. They couldn't dig their way out of it. There's literally nothing they could do. They didn't wait for God to do something, by the way, before they started worshiping. They didn't wait for God's action before worship hit their hearts. Worship hit their hearts before God's action ever happened. They just worshiped him. Then something really big happened. We pick it up in verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came off. Now midnight is always recognized as the beginning of the dark hour, you know, like midnight. This is when it's all, that's why we have like the nuclear clock and we have all, to midnight, to midnight, to midnight. It hits midnight. And everything about that prison got shaken. Everything that prison had been built for, every purpose of that prison that they had built it for was shaken. It was shaken. All of the strength when they designed it, when they decided what quality of iron that they would use, when they built the stocks and how heavy they would be and the chains, and when they talked about where they would fasten and, and how small the cells would be and, and, and what, what would be the conditions of the floor and, and what is going to, in this prison, to move them about. All of the design was all shaken. Everything that prison was intended to be was shaken. For what reason? To set Paul free? No. No, no. No, they were free the next day anyway. If you read the story, you'll find out they would have been free the next day. And it wasn't about that. It wasn't about setting Paul and Silas free. It was about setting Paul and Silas free, frankly, like when the stocks fall off. See ya. Let's leave town quick. No, because they weren't there for their personal freedom. They were there because his ways 
are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. But when you really start to grab that and it causes worship to explode in very dark dungeons, you're giving God some amazing opportunity to shake what was designed to trap you and keep you and beat you and contain you. You're giving him an amazing opportunity to shake the foundation of that prison. Paul and Silas didn't allow prison to shake the foundation of their faith. It was their faith that shook the foundation of the prison. It was their faith and then God's response to worship where God is affirmed. No, this doesn't change who you are, God. What we're going through right now and we feel so powerless and we just can't find a light in this thing. It doesn't change who you are, God. It doesn't change who you are. And this, you are still the same. You are still God on the throne. And this is somehow in your purpose. See, praise and worship are an act of humility. God is God and I'm not. Practiced over and over and over again. In that situation, if Paul was a man of lesser faith, he might have responded with sort of the idea that he will find his way out. He will find his way through. He will be strong enough to handle this. It wasn't about Paul. Your dungeon's not just about you. It's about God being God and working purposes that you might not be able to understand. But there is a jailer and his family. There is a slave girl. There is a businesswoman. There is the beginning of something that is going to transform a city called a church. There is in his plan a, a, a church that's going to be written about in the book of Philippians as Paul writes back to this group the most amazing letter of, do you know what the theme of Philippians is? Joy. And Paul's going to write back to them some of the most amazing scriptures which we have put on the bottom of your outline. And when you read those, talk about uplifting. The Bible says that God will give grace to the humble. And he did. And freedom came. And Paul ends up in a situation where he doesn't run when the stalks fall off because he under, always understood the dungeon had its purpose. Even when not forced to be there, he didn't run from there. You want to test the quality of your faith? If those dungeon stalks fell off right now, would you just grab the door and run? Or, or maybe would you consider that, no, no, you got purpose in this. Here's some life lessons out of this particular teach. When there's nothing you can do, make a decision. Here's your choice. Panic or praise, worry or worship, You can powder, you can pray. You can let go of God and try to grab onto other things to keep your balance or you can just hold on tight to everything you know is true about God and not let go of it. You know the truth of God is greater than the situation, the dungeon, the darkness. You know that isolation. You understand the pain of the moment but you know that God and the truth about God is something that is greater than it and you will not let go of the truth about God. 
You take him at his word. You remind him over and over again about what his word says. So you will worship God because of his character, not because, oh Lord, thank you for the spring sunny day and the warm gentle breeze and the last little snowflake finally melted. Oh yeah. There's no teeth in that song. First thing you do is make a decision. Second thing you do is hold on to your faith. Are you going to let the prison shake you? This is what tends to happen at first in our lives is that the prisons that we get thrown into, they tend to shake us. Those choices of worship will turn your faith into a foundation of the prison shaking. Biblical faith is not placed in a desired outcome. It's placed in the character of God. When you have biblical faith, it's not, here's my desired outcome. I have faith for this outcome and that's what I want. That's your ways are higher than his ways and your thoughts are higher than his thoughts and you're saying, hey God, here's my thought on this. Here's what I want this to be. Here's my desired outcome. And God's, oh, good luck. Faith is in his character. It's not, faced, er, faith, it's not placed in a specific outcome. Third thing you have to do is you've got to stay focused. When you're in dungeons like that in prisons and the darkness is there and the, and the windows, you know, are not, there's no windows. This, you, you, you have to actually not be distracted by this. You've got to see beyond this huge distraction. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it's confined. Yes, these are changed. Yes, there is trouble. But don't allow yourself to be distracted. You keep your focus on God. I am not talking about living in denial. You're not living in denial. But this allows you to have a state of mind where you can see clearly what God is doing. And that even in this dark dungeon, it's God's action in his heart and his purpose and his plan and his ways and his thoughts that you're looking to. You stay focused on him. When you need order in your life, when you need protection in your relationship, when you need freedom economically, when you need wholeness in your body, when you need sanity in your mind, you stay focused on the God whose ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts higher than your thoughts and you in humbleness choose worship. Just worship God, see what's gonna happen. Just pull out a song like we just sang. I need you now. <laughs> I mean, I really need you. Sing. Worship through your pain. Find a song of faith. Find something that takes you this direction. Let's take a Look at the jailer himself. Another guy that's in prison. We don't think of him being in prison, but he's in prison. He's got a life sentence. How'd you like to be that jailer? Let me turn up to my office, get the smells of the prison, get, you know, all of the nice things that are a part of a prison like that. Go down and see all my buddies down below that would like to, you know, do me in very positive team building environment. You know, I just, I just can't wait to get to work. You know, oh, got to watch another beating today. Yeah. Oh, I get to inflict a little more pain. What are you crying down in there about? Oh, great. Do you know the, 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 the guys that would run a lot of the Roman prisons in those days? These were ex-military men that would have, would, they would be right next to retirement. So this was sort of a retirement plan. Retired to run a prison. There we go. Sounds good. 
This jailer went every day. <coughs> he had never, ever seen anything like this though. This jailer's in prison because of his duty. He had got a duty to the empire. He's got a duty to Caesar. He's got a duty to his military unit. He's got a duty to the, to the city. His job is in prison. He's as much in prison, if not more, than the others. He was in prison to some kind of code that, of some kind of conduct of, of what you would say, I guess, is some kind of honor code that the moment that if the prisoners have escaped, he's going to actually X himself off here because, you see, I failed in my retirement job. That's his job, that's his environment. His whole life is in this kind of environment. And look how he responds. This is what the Bible says in verse 27. The jailer woke up in more way than one. He was sleeping. Earthquake hits. He wakes up. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, you got to admit, like I'm going to, I've just pulled my sword, I'm about to fall on it. And now I've just swung the complete, totally over here. And I'm a man that's known nothing but command and authority and stability and emotions do not take control. And this is not an emotional thing. This is something, a response to something he's never seen before. Now, what was it he'd never seen before? An earthquake? No, he'd seen earthquakes before. Earthquake region. If it wasn't the earthquake, what was it he'd never seen before? Well, all of the jails, you know, cells are thrown open and nobody leaves. And Paul is calling out. Now they're famous already. It's already known what they're in the jail for. And it's for preaching the gospel. And here we have him in a situation where he is responding to a prior knowledge and he is running in and saying, what must I be, what must I do to be saved? And it says that he, he just falls down trembling. This is a military man. This is a man with a whole life of military service. And he falls before Paul and Silas trembling because he had never seen anything like this he had never seen a situation where somebody would worship God because simply God's ways are higher than my ways and God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts anything less than that assurance for you will cause you to think differently about the jails that you will find yourself in in life this was this was an amazing awakening for this guy. What an amazing thing. So what happens is he's coming in trembling. He, he falls before Paul and Silas. This jailer is right to his core completely shaken. And then he takes them home and he looks after their wounds. And they, the, Paul and Silas introduce him and his family to Jesus Christ. They, they all receive Jesus Christ. They're baptized that very night. That's how he responded. He responded by receiving Christ. He found something more powerful than any Roman legion he had served in. He found something with greater authority than any kind of authority that would be a command structure. What he found was an authority of love. A love from Paul and Silas that when the stocks were off, they're not running. Other prisoners are not moving. This is a world he's not known. But him and his family get saved. And they become a foundation of a church that is going to rock that city. Then there's one other set of prisoners in there and it's the actual prisoners in there. 
They're not there out of duty and they're not there out of obedience or loyalty or command structures. They're there because of their own mistakes. They're there because of their crimes. They're there because of their own dumb choices, bad decisions. Okay. Have you ever put yourself by a bad decision in a prison? How many have ever put themselves in an economic prison? Do not raise your hand. How many have ever put themselves in a relational prison? How many have ever put themselves in a health prison? I mean, I could keep going. I mean, it's just, have you ever, of course, if, if we have anybody that doesn't raise their hand to this, it's like, Jesus, it is nice to have you with us today. But look at these guys. They're all there because their own craziness. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Cool. They're all hearing it. They're paying attention. Like I said, this is totally unusual. This doesn't happen. These guys are praying to this Christ that they have, are in prison for and it's their faith in Christ that has put them in prison and they're still praying to him. How can you pray to Christ and worship Christ when it's following Christ that put you there? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them so they're hearing it. They're listening to these songs, these prayers of faith coming from Paul and Silas and then it, all of a sudden the earthquake hits. It's all shaken. All the doors are open and everything comes loose but there was some kind of restraint here. I want to look at them two ways. One is the restraint of incredible faith in the midst of prisons. That will put a restraint even on people within your own family and within your own home when they see your faith deeply practiced where even you go through sufferings and things just even because of your faith but at the same time you find that you can still worship him. But then there's maybe another thing and another way to look at those prisoners. Here the stalks are gone from their feet and they're gone from their hands the prison doors are wide open. They're not running for it. But let me take it this way for you today. Maybe there's a prison that God wants you to actually get out of. You've made very bad choices. You're in a bad prison. It might be the, the, some of the headlines I used earlier. It doesn't matter. You're in this place and it's been a place of hopelessness and darkness and it's been a place that, and all of a sudden the prison's door open and you get to run out of there. But just when you leave, would you leave for the very same reason? Would you say, even in the prisons I have created myself I am taking a step out because I'm going to accept that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and if he can use all of this stuff somehow for his kingdom and himself and for a witness and in my family and in my life and through my life if he can use this somehow God use it he wastes nothing. He doesn't waste your mistakes. He doesn't waste the pains you go through. He doesn't waste any dark prison that you are going to find yourself in. But it must start at the very same point. Before you leave that prison cell, because it's blown wide open, would you do one thing? Oh. Neil. And worship. 
and then get out of there. Because his ways are higher than your ways. My ways have been so oh, hit, miss. Sometimes good, sometimes, well, you don't want to hear that idea. His thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. Sometimes my thoughts maybe have been good, but a lot of times my thoughts have worked against me more than for me. But when I just worship, kneel, surrender, oh God, I've created prisons. They've kept me fast. I choose worship. I promise you that he will get you up off of your knees and he's going to walk you out of that prison and you get a brand new start, Christian. Grab it. How do you grab it? Humility, worship. Let's stand together. I almost said let's kneel together, but I'll let you make that choice of that. I need you now. Fathers, we bow our heads before you. Your ways amaze us. Your thoughts amaze us. What also can amaze us is how we cannot trust those. And how, Lord, we can sit in the middle of a dark prison and instead of taking the knee and worshiping and praying and reaching into the bigger world of your thoughts and your ways, we get caught up in our situation, we lose our focus and we don't see you the way we need to see you in the circumstances that we are in. Lord, you know where all of our feet are in this present time and world. You know the challenges. You know it in every aspect of our life, every compartment of our life. You know where we are at. Father, We want your ways and your thoughts. We want to reach beyond the windowless rooms we have been spending time in. We don't want situational atheism. We want to bring faith in you into the darkest places. And we do that when we worship. Remind us of that, Lord, those of us that have received you and know you personally. And may we restore our faith in the ways and the thoughts and the purposes and the plans and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God, your character. Liberate us in our hearts even before you liberate us from the pain of the circumstances. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I cannot think of a more excellent moment. And if something out of today is telling you you need to get right with God and you want God to be in control of your life, and that includes every dungeon, if you want a grace that can reach deeper than any of your decisions or the own prisons that you have fashioned, then that is found in a God of great love who sent his son, Jesus Christ, with your name tagged on his cross. You just need to accept the fact that God loves you. You need to own the fact that you have failed God, that you have sinned, and that you need his mercy and you are saying I need your mercy I need your forgiveness that's why Jesus died for you he died so that you could be forgiven by God given the great gift of mercy but it is a choice 
So if you want to make that choice, make that choice and I'll lead you in a prayer in just one minute. For you, Christian, faith has always been meant to rock the foundations of prisons. It's never been meant to allow prisons to rock the foundations of your faith. Get on your knees. Reestablish worship. Because there is nothing you're going through that his ways and his thoughts are not higher. Now, if you want to receive Christ today and you've never done so in that regard, here's a prayer you can borrow from me in just in the quietness. Make a, make a heart prayer between you and God. Believe me, he knows every intent and thought and word. And so he's going to hear this very much. And it would be, oh Lord, I am a prisoner. I'm a prisoner to my own sin. I'm a prisoner to judgment because of my own sin. I need mercy. I accept Jesus Christ, your son, who died on the cross for my sins to set me free from judgment. I receive you into my life, Jesus. Not just so I can be forgiven and go to heaven, but so that I can live a life of faith shaking prison foundations and you being glorified and your work being done through me. So I receive you now. Here's my life. I surrender it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless you. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.